Hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast. My name is James Evely and I'm the editor of In Publishing. My guest this time is Alex Kirsten, editor-in-chief of Car Throttle, part of the Autovia stable of motoring brands. Car Throttle is a social-first publisher delivering branded content across the major social platforms, including YouTube, where they have over 3 million subscribers. Alex is the main presenter on their videos, so it's instantly recognisable to millennial car enthusiasts around the world. Alex has some advice for producers of branded content. Know your audience and ensure that you don't alienate them with branded content that they're not interested in, no matter the monetary reward. Because if you lose your audience, you're going to lose your scale. You're going to have mistrust in your audience as well. So, So make sure that you don't alienate them. He tells us about their approach to creating compelling videos. Uh, and we go we go on road trips. We don't take ourselves seriously. If stuff goes wrong, we'll document it. We'll put it out there. You know, we're not perfect. We are, effectively, we are our audience. So we mess things up as much as our audience does, but we all learn from it and we all laugh. And why collaboration and sharing are key when it comes to building reach online. If a, a subscriber of a channel in America sees that 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 channel is doing something with us and they'll think, ah, oh, that's cool. If that channel is working with Car Throttle, maybe Car Throttle's cool and then they'll spread the word. So yeah, don't be afraid to collaborate because um, sharing is caring, especially online. Amongst many other things. But first, a quick word about our valued sponsors. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Air Business a market leader in distribution and subscription management services for the publishing industry. Its end-to-end service includes subscriber acquisition and marketing strategy, worldwide distribution, digital mail and e-commerce fulfillment, and warehouse and freight logistics. For more information, visit airbusiness.com. Alex Kirsten is Editor-in-Chief of Car Throttle, which describes itself as the internet's largest community for car enthusiasts. Their YouTube channel, which Alex features on prominently, recently hit 3 million subscribers. Alex Kirsten, welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Great to be here. Thanks very much. And congratulations. That's uh, an amazing achievement. It is, yeah, yeah. When we when we hit the 3 million, we were actually um, knee-deep in edit, so we didn't actually have much time to celebrate, to be honest. But, um, yeah, we're, we're long overdue um, a burger and chips. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, well-deserved. Well is that something you, when you started it off, with 3 million something you envisaged, or is this just all part of the plan? Uh, I think it's something that's just crept up, really. I think when we hit our first million... Um, a few years ago, we did we did go quite ham on the celebrations. We did a little celebration video on the channel. But, you know, you hit one million, then you hit two million and three million. The next kind of goal is five million and then 10 million. It, it's you, you kind of become a little bit desensitized to the millions and the numbers and the reach. Um, but yeah, I think five million for us would be uh, achievable and something that we'd really, really like to celebrate. Well, that's a lovely position to be in. So, so for for listeners who aren't that familiar with Car Throttle, um, can you tell us a bit about it? What why is it different? What is it, and why is it different to other automotive publishing brands? Yeah, sure thing. So, um, so Car Throttle is an automotive media brand started in two thousand nine, whose focus has always been on publishing automotive content where mainly millennial users spend most of their time. So, we're talking mobile phones and social platforms. In twenty eighteen, we did two point five billion video views across all platforms. 
And today on our, like you said, 3.1 million subscriber YouTube channel, we see regular 1 million video views per episode, which is really cool. In terms of the videos we produce, we pride ourselves on relatable content, which is why you'll see lots of used enthusiast cars on the channel, as well as car builds, road trips, and cheap car challenges. So I like to think of us as a, a channel whose content you can watch on a Friday and then replicate on a Saturday. All right. And, and how, how is that different to other publishers? Well, I think our focus is mainly more on the used um, spectrum of the market. So used enthusiast cars, we buy cars for £100, £200, £500. We've even got a car at the moment sitting in my driveway that cost us £1, the £1 Volvo, which we'll be doing some uh, some fun stuff with later. Um, so it's kind of not, you know, it's, it's not going into the into the new car market as much. It's It's really really resonating with our audience, which, which, like I said, are millennials. I think other publishers, they're more kind of new car focused and get, get their vehicles from manufacturers, whereas we actually go out, buy them and inspire our audience to do the same. Okay. And, and in terms of your output, it's, uh, it's all via social platforms, isn't it? So you, you don't kind of produce a magazine as such or anything like a number of other brands. That's presumably a, a major difference as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, we've we've never had a magazine. Um, we have recently created a newsletter, uh, but like you said, we are we are social first. So YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, uh, and we have a website as well. Uh, and and the website um, is that an important part of what you do, or where does that fit into what you do? Yeah, so there are kind of three pillars of Car Throttle. So we've got the YouTube channel, we've got the website, we've got social platforms. Uh, so for us, the website is a good kind of shop front, as it were, into the into the new cars that we we do feature. We have long termers as well, um, so long term test cars where we get a, a vehicle from a manufacturer for about anywhere between six months and a year. And the website for us is a really great platform to show off the the in inverted commas ownership experience. So that's really what manufacturers like to do, uh, like to see. Sorry, um, the website is also good because we can replicate some of the stuff that we've done on the YouTube channel uh, on the website as well. So if we buy a car for £200 and we're done with it on the YouTube channel, then we can carry that over to the website and people can continue that funnel from YouTube social down to website to really see what, you know, what's become of the car um, and follow up stories really. And the um, Car Throttle describes itself as the, the world's largest cross-platform automotive publisher. So you mentioned a few of the platforms. Um, which ones work best for you? So the YouTube channel, 3.1 million subs, um, is probably what we're best known for. Um, but we're, we're very active across all the big hitting social platforms. So uh, on Facebook, we've got 7 million followers. Uh, on Instagram, we've got 1.6 million followers. And more recently on TikTok as well, uh, we've got 200,000 followers. Um, so YouTube makes us the most in terms of revenue, so ad revenue and sponsored campaigns. But we also see good income from from Facebook and Instagram. And do you and your team, do you, do you have separate teams for each platform or do you, do all of you do all of the platforms? Yeah, we, we do have separate teams. So there's three of us running the YouTube side of things. So there's Ethan, Jack and I. Uh, then on the Instagram, Facebook and TikTok side of things, there's uh, Jake, Edwin and new starter Ben. And then we've got a sales team as well. 
Um, but there's, I would say there's six of us who look after all of those social platforms. Uh, and the content you produce, do, do you produce one, you know, let's say one video and then those different teams take it and work out how best to exploit it on the different platforms? Yeah, ex- exactly right. So we'll produce one. At the moment, we're producing one Halo video um, a week. We were doing two, but because of the output and because of the sponsored campaigns that we're doing at the moment, we just need to focus more on those. So what we'll do is we'll shoot and edit our Halo video, and then we'll um, do a kind of recut and give that to the social team, and then they'll pick out the best bits that they like and then put those, you know, farm those out on Instagram uh, Facebook and TikTok. Um, they'll do teasers, teaser videos, teaser images. Um, but yeah, they're, they're very good at what they do um, in terms of knowing what what those people on Instagram and Facebook really want versus what people on, say, YouTube want, which is more kind of long form content. Uh, and in terms of revenue, you mentioned that YouTube was, was probably the main one. Uh, how do your revenue streams divide up? Yeah, so YouTube, I'd say 75% of our revenue. So that includes ad revenue um, and sponsored campaigns. So we work with a lot of um, big OEMs, um, tuners, manufacturers, all the rest of it. So 75% for, for YouTube on the social side of things. So Instagram and Facebook, especially, you're probably looking at 15%. Uh, and then website ad revenue, again, 5%. And then we we also have the e-commerce side of the business, which, which equates to about 5% again. So, you know, we sell T-shirts, jumpers, that kind of stuff as well, which, uh, which our audience really loves. And where of those revenue streams, where, where do you see the most potential for growth? Uh, th- that would remain um, YouTube, which is, which is why we've got a team of people in the UK and US who, who champion the brand and showcase the benefits of working with us to, to other manufacturers, OEMs, the rest of it, yeah. Okay. And so branded content is a key part of what you do. Um, when you're putting together a, a content piece, if you like, what, what are the key do's and don'ts of making a successful branded content piece? There, there are loads. There really are loads and loads. Uh, I have got some um, written down here, um, so I'll quickly go through those. Uh, so do know your audience and ensure that you don't alienate them with branded content that they're not interested in, no matter the monetary reward. Because if you lose your audience, you're going to lose your scale. You, you're going to have mis- mistrust in your audience as well. So, so make sure that you don't alienate them. So how do you uh, handle that? So you got, let's say you've got a, a, a manufacturer who has a who has a big budget and they, mm-hmm. they have a set of messages which they're very keen to put across and are very forceful about what they want. How, how do you push back? You, you just need to explain. I mean, I've, I've done it quite a number of times. You just say, look, we know our audience. We've got to the scale that we have because we speak to our audience on, on a personal level. And, you know, we've, we've never alienated our audience. We, we don't try and pull the wool over anyone's eyes. So nine times out of 10, the, the company OEM, whoever it may be, they'll, you know, they'll sit back and say, okay, you guys know what you're doing, which is why they come to us in the first place, really. Uh, so they, they do give us that freedom to not, not dictate how it's going to be done, but to recommend uh, the best practices. Okay, sorry, I interrupted. So, ah, no worries, other no worries. Other <laughs> uh, so the second do is, um, like we just discussed, push back on requests from potential partners that may damage your brand or lead to audience mistrust. Um, like I said, the moment you get audience mistrust is is the moment that you're on a very downward uh, spiral. So you've you've always got to 
always got to be open and honest with your audience and and, and again don't try and pull the wool over their eyes uh, do be selective about who you work with and research them thoroughly um, have they got a good reputation are they like-minded um, I see well, I have seen in the past some companies working with or some media companies working with partners who I maybe would have been a little bit mistrustful over and I know that a lot of reputations can be you know made or broken online because people love bad news and people love to spread gossip so you really need to make sure that whoever you're working with um, is already a trusted partner Um, and then don't work with brands that your audience won't care about you'll get poor results and won't have any results to show to potential brands Uh, and the final don't is do not undervalue the services and the reach that you can give to brands because they might take advantage of your goodwill for potential future projects Um, that's happened to us a few times you know we've gone in with a very favorable um, price to do something to, to to promote one of their products or services or whatever and then they automatically think that they can get that second time round, but that's not always the case all right all right and in terms when you said um you know brands approaching you who aren't related to your audience do you mm. get that do i don't know toothpaste manufacturers approach you or or whoever yeah so uh, one that springs to mind is a company that does um shavers so you know razors to, okay. to shave your face um i think that was beginning of lockdown and you know, like I said, our audience, 75%, 18 to to 35 years of age, um, 97% male. So chances are people have got to shave or they use razors. So um, that something for us was was very new. We'd never done anything like that, but it, it worked really well. It's not something we thought of, but it's something that that company came to us for because they saw our reach. And then we thought, hey, let's give it a go. And um, yeah, it worked really well. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, and when you're putting, how does a tool campaign work? So uh, a manufacturer, a car manufacturer, for instance, comes to you with a, with a plan. What are the building blocks? Do you, do, you, do you come up with a suggestion? Do they start with a suggestion? How, how's, this, how's it all scripted and put together? Yeah, so so when, when that happens, both the media company, so us um, and the brand, need to be on the same page in terms of messaging and KPIs before ideas are generated and discussed. Um you always need to ensure that the brand you'll work with is is someone or something that you trust and someone or something that your audience will also benefit from. Um, and in terms of, of key messaging that the brand wants to, to put across to your audience, you need to make sure that you script it to your own house style so it doesn't seem too out of place. Um, another important thing when you're working with with brands is to keep timelines realistic and always stick to them. Um, always also ensure that feedback from the client is within an agreed time frame. Um, we have been stung before where the client went to ground and when feedback was needed, meaning that we couldn't actually go go live with a video as planned, which which is is really frustrating. Um, and then the final kind of building block is is to ensure that all the social promos are aligned with the video live dates as well. Um, that way you, you can you know really build the hype and increase brand awareness. And the I was about to say, what are the pitfalls to avoid? Where do some publishers typically get it wrong? But I suppose it's not doing all the things you've said. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'd say so. I wouldn't say you know we're we're experts in the field, but you know we we do a pretty good job, and you know we do get lots of really cool brands coming to us um, asking for advice or help or to work with us. 
Um, we, we're doing stuff with with Hot Wheels, for example, which you know I grew up playing with Hot Wheels, and now now to be working with them is, is just is just immense. So uh, we're, we're obviously doing something right. And looking at your channel, there are lots of different. You seem to have lots of different formats and approaches and storylines. Where do all those ideas come from? Yeah, so we've we've got a lot. Yeah, like you said, we've got lots of formats. Um, I'd say a few years ago. We started a series called Two Guys One Car, which is pretty much what led to the snowball effect of the uh, of the subscribers. And just to give you a quick overview, Two Guys One Car is it's me as the car guy and uh, producer Ethan as the non car guy. So it's it's putting us in a car or a car related situation and then seeing how those two people react. So. For example, if we were to drive past a really cool car, I would look at it and say, "Oh, isn't that cool?" Whereas Ethan would just, you know, drive on and just not care. It's <laughs> it's 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 properly relatable content. It's the content that people who love cars will then share with their friends who don't love cars, and vice versa. So you watch it and you're like, "Oh, that's so me," or "Oh, that's so James." You know, it's 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 really shareable content in friendship groups. Um, We've we've also got cheap car challenges, um, which are immensely popular. So we kicked those off about two and a half, three years ago. And that was just born out of an idea of we don't know what we're going to be filming this week. What should we do? Hey, how about we spend £200 on a car and go on a road trip? And that, I think, within a week did one or two million views. And then we thought, oh, we're, we're onto something here. Um, we have tried the more kind of traditional car reviews with me kind of fronting that, but YouTube especially is so saturated with with reviews and and vlogs and blogs and all the rest of it that it, it wasn't something that re- we really wanted to try and break into for us. It's more relatable content, humor, laughs, unscripted, just jump in a car, get on with it, and, and see what happens, good or bad. Um, so yeah, we, we've sorry. No, I was about to say, what what are the formats you enjoy most? I mean, are they do you get equal pleasure out of them all, or do some of those formats give you, uh, you know, a, a particular buzz? Yeah, so so the format I, I enjoy most is um, is hundred um, percent going out, buying a car, or or searching for a car in the morning, whether it be on Facebook Marketplace or eBay or Auto Trader or whatever else, going to look at the car, buying it, and then going on a road trip because. You wake up in the morning, you don't know what car you're going to buy. You don't know where you're going to go and you don't know if you're going to make it. And that for me is is so much fun because when it goes wrong, it goes spectacularly wrong and you're stuck at the side of the road. And at the, at the, at that moment, you hate life. But when you look back at the footage, you think this is this is just absolute gold. And if we can do it, our audience can do it and they might hate it as well. But when they look back on it, you know, there's those are the mer- memories that will last um, last a lifetime. And those videos. So even when you, you know, you set off in the morning to find a car and you don't find a car. And as you say, you, you, know, you end up on the side of the road. That still becomes a, a video you put out, obviously. Yeah, 100 yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we've done all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Um, uh, I, I just remember a video where someone messaged me on Instagram and said, I'm moving back to Australia. I've got this Honda Civic you can have for me for 50 quid. I'll leave the key on the exhaust. I live in Bristol. I, I chucked him over 50 quid because I thought, hey, this could make a great video. Ethan and I set off and we went to Bristol and the car was there and we had a great time of it. And it could have been one of those things. He could have been pulling my leg. He could have been having me on the car. Might not even have 
existed. But even if the car didn't exist, we'd still have a video. The fact that it did exist just made it real wholesome, feel-good entertainment. <laughs> and, and I suppose the footage of the video with you actually travelling to Bristol must have been quite fun in itself. Because exactly, exactly. the unknown. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we're having a discussion. Do, do we even think this car exists? Probably not, but let's go anyway. <laughs> brilliant brilliant stuff now, you, st- you started off as a an automotive news reporter and journalist um at what point and when and how how did you discover your talent in front of the camera um I've, I've always enjoyed being in front of the camera and entertaining people um so so being able to show off and chat about cars came quite naturally to me um i i started my kind of automotive career at autocar um on the news desk but news writing was never something that I really wanted to pursue so when I got the chance to present videos I I literally just put everything into it and tried my hand at cars and comedy reviews scripting versus not scripting um, and everything in between I think over the years I've just I would say I've I've, I don't know it's it's difficult to say I've, I've cared less about what people think of me and I think that's really important because there are a lot of egos in front of the camera, but when you just completely let your guard down, that's when people can relate to you and think, oh, you know, he's a bit quirky. He's a bit weird. I kind of like this, or, you know, he's not someone that I would be friends with, but I enjoy watching him. So I I really don't care what people think of me or if they laugh at me or with me, as long as I'm having fun, Um, chances are that people watching it will be having some kind of fun as well. So so it's that kind of self-deprecating nature that I have within me um, that I think just translates quite well on camera. Um, I'm also really short. I'm five foot seven, so I've I've got to be funny, or otherwise, you know, I have <laughs> yes. I, I have nothing to my name. <laughs> well, I, well, I'm an inch taller, I think. So I'm oh wow, <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> well, we can't prove it, can we? So we're <laughs> it's a podcast. So we can't. Um, so in terms of as you say, not caring what people think. I think that sounds like a very positive attitude to take because there is there's a lot of negativity online, isn't there? I mean, do, do you do you get negative feedback? I mean, you know, I know under some videos online, you know, some sometimes it can be a bit toxic. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I found especially on on platforms like Facebook, that's that's where you get the most kind of negativity. But in terms of YouTube comments, yes, of course we've had negativity. Yes, of course it's been directed to me. Uh, sometimes but I would say these days 99.5% of the comments that we get and bearing in mind on on a video we can get thousands of comments I would say that 99.5% is is positive and when you do get negative comments which which of course you do I you know I'll sometimes as, as long as it's constructive I'll write back and I'll say oh I'm sorry you didn't like that or I'm sorry you feel that way and again, nine times out of 10, they'll say, oh, I was only joking. I just wanted to get a reaction out of you. But ultimately, you you also need to remember that there are people who write negative comments because they're going through some bad stuff in their life. You know, they, they might suffer from anxiety, depression, whatever, lost their job. And for them to, you know, to, to say some negative stuff towards you, it might just for them just be a little bit of a release. So in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking I'm not going to, you know, to have a go at that person because I don't know what they're going through. They, they might be going through some really bad stuff at the moment. So if it makes them feel better, then, then fair play. But um, most of the time, 
the audience in the comments on YouTube, they'll, you know, they'll always defend us and say, oh, no, you can't say that kind of stuff. But um, at the end of the day, you don't know what other people are going through. So I, I don't pay too much attention to it. That's very sounds very wise. So your your first your first video experience was that with when you were with Autocar or did you, is when you joined Car Throttle? Uh, my first video experience was actually when I did my masters in automotive journalism at Coventry Uni. Um, I'm inherently lazy, so um, in, as part of the dissertation, we could either do twelve thousand words written, no, thank you, or we could break it up into six thousand written uh, and then a I think it was a ten minute video and i had quite a cool car at the time so i decided to do uh videos part of the dissertation so i i grabbed a camera and i went out with my my buddy gareth and, and filmed my car and did a review on that and um i think i think i actually got a distinction for the video part of that which was which was awesome so that was my first kind of taste of being in front of the camera and i remember i had to upload it to youtube as well then it got picked up in America by these big car websites and car blogs. And I just remember the headlines. It was something like, uh, we don't know who this, who this uh, automotive journalism is, but we like his style, that kind of stuff. So that's when I thought, oh, this, this could be quite fun. Maybe I could uh, make a career out of this. Um, that must have been hugely exciting. At it was, of, it was amazing. 21, 22. Uh, yeah, a little bit older. I think I was 25 or so. I'm, I'm 30, 36 now. Um, but it was it was incredible, and that was you know that was a long time ago. That was when YouTube was much much smaller. Instagram wasn't a thing. TikTok obviously not. But um, yeah, I've, I've been on YouTube in some respects for probably twelve years now. But my first kind of professional go at YouTube um, was at Autocar. I did I think two or three videos, um, and they seemed to do very well. But at the time, there was you know, someone above me who was doing the video side of things. And uh, obviously she was enjoying it. So she didn't want me muscling in. So uh, that's that's when I made a move to Car Throttle. I met the founder, a guy called Adnan Ibrahim. We met in 2011 at a launch of a Say At Me, I think it was. Uh, so I was, we were flying out to, I think, Spain to drive, to drive the new Say At. Uh, and he approached me and uh, he didn't know who I was. I didn't know who he was, but he approached me and said, oh, I'm from this blog called Car Throttle. No one had ever heard of it. No one paid it much attention. Um, but, you know, he, he spoke, he talked a really good game. He's um, he's one of those people that you just listen to and you just instantly trust and have a lot of respect for. So I think it was six months later, we had another chat and um, he said, look, I want to I want to do this full time because he was kind of doing doing it while while being at uni. So um, yeah, we we made an agreement, and then I joined as editor of the website. So it was Adnan, Ethan, and I who spent the first few years kind of building it up, building up the website, and slowly developing the uh, the YouTube side of things. And for other journalists, you know, who are considering becoming a, a presenter of, of videos, and I know a lot of journalists are now being put in front of camera or presenting podcasts. You know, what advice would you give them? uh i would i would say stay off my patch because it's not <laughs> <No, laughs> uh, not to do with cars right exactly yeah stay away from cars and then we'll be all right um no advice uh so know your audience speak to them on their level and research the hell out of the subject or the car that you're doing a video on because you know we as people crave new information and love learning while being entertained um i would also say try to establish your niche but make sure that it's broad enough to get you noticed so 
uh, Soviet cars of the 1960s might be very limiting, while a channel focusing on cool used cars for under £2,000 has massive appeal because most of us have had to buy a car for £2,000. I'd also say be consistent with your upload schedule um, because we're creatures of habits. Try lots of things. Look at the channels that you like and see if you can improve on their ideas. Um, Be you, but on a really good day um, because an audience wants to be energised and inspired. So be enthusiastic, be eloquent and have a lot of fun. Um, importantly as well, I'd say be a good role model because there, there are too many channels these days that, that promote, you know, bad behavior, flirting with the law and being controversial just to get noticed. And I'd say if you're doing that, going down that route, then you you just really won't last. Um, I'd also say, um, don't be afraid to give video presenting a go. You know, you, you've got, you've got a camera, you've got a microphone in your pocket. So your phone is the only thing that you really need to get started, um, and YouTube is a perfect platform to get noticed. And and one last thing as well, when it comes to the edits, be ruthless and get rid of any waffle. And and if you think something that you said was funny at the time during the recording, then listen back to it three more times during the edit. If it still makes you laugh, then chances are it really is funny. If it doesn't make you laugh, then then just get rid of it. That's the that's how I go through edits. That sounds like very good advice. It, presumably something is also worth sleeping on sometimes, isn't it? You know, see see something the next day and it... Yeah, say, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we, we have had to bash out edits before in a day, but usually, you know, we'll we'll, we'll give ourselves three or four days to, to go through an edit. And then, you know, over that time, you can trim a bit more here. And then, I mean, stuff like this actually does keep me up at night. And when I'm trying to drift off to sleep, I'll it'll just a, a, a clip from the, the video will just suddenly pop in my head and I'll say, ah, oh, maybe we should do it that way. Or or I'll message guys and say, actually, let's just get rid of that. Um, yeah, you, ha- you have the best ideas at completely random times. So, um, yeah, don't don't be afraid to listen to your gut. So middle of the night, you get this idea. The lights are off. Do you, do you turn the lights on and write it down or, or do you just trust yourself to remember it in the morning? Yeah, a um, bit of both, really. I'll either chuck it on my phone um, or I'll, or I'll, I'll I mean, I'll, I'll usually always remember it, actually. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, sleeping on it is, is a good idea, but I think we've got into the habit now where we just know what works and we know what our audience likes. So it's, um, it's very autonomous now. Um, and, and like I said, if it doesn't make me laugh three times, then chances are I'll just get rid of it. Now, in February, you were, prom- you were promoted to editor in chief, having previously been head of video. You know, how has your role changed and what are your new responsibilities? Yes. Yeah, so so with the new job role, it, it's been my job to ensure that the, the three pillars of the company. So social website and YouTube uh, are instantly recognizable as car throttle. So over the years, we've, we've kind of been pushed and pulled in various directions, meaning that each of those pillars has, has followed a different path. So we need to get them all back on track. Um, and that means aligning website and the social channels a lot more with with YouTube, which is why you'll see more used enthusiast cars and personality and, and humor on each strand. Um, like, like I said, you know, someone who doesn't know Car Throttle, had they looked at uh, either the website or the YouTube channel or Instagram, maybe six, seven months ago, then you could have been forgiven for thinking that they were three different companies. I, th- I think nowadays we're a lot more aligned. Um, we, we speak to our, each other a lot more and we know what the focus is. And that is enthusiast cars, humor, personality. 
And in terms of, you know, you were previously head of video. Are you still going to be doing as many videos as you were doing before? Or are you taking a, are you stepping back slightly? Uh, no, I'll never step back. <laughs> I will never step back. No, I, lo- I love being on camera. I love coming up with the, those ideas. Uh, so the presenting role hasn't changed at all. Um, if, so you're effectively anything... editor. You're you are effectively editor in chief and also head of video now. Is that right? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. 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 Now your YouTube channel is hugely successful, as we said, at over three million. Um, We've probably covered this, but uh, you know, what are the what would you say are the main reasons for its success? I mean, there are loads of channels out there which, which you know people you know sweat blood over but gain no traction. But mm. you've obviously gained huge traction. Um, we might have covered it already, but could you just maybe repeat what you think are the main reasons for the success of the channel? Yeah, so so the main reason for growth for us, I think, is is identifying a gap in the market quite early on, and that that is kind of used enthusiast cars. And then taking those cars and those videos and injecting them with with humor and personality. So, uh, like I mentioned, seven years ago we kicked off the the hugely popular and very relatable series called Two Guys One Car. And since then the, the channel has snowballed. We've also done affordable car builds, um, which really hit the mark. We've got cheap car challenges that fill the Top Gear Grand Tour void. Uh, and we go we go on road trips. We don't take ourselves seriously. If stuff goes wrong, we'll document it. We'll put it out there. You know, we're not perfect. We are effectively we are our audience. So we mess things up as much as our audience does. But we all learn from it and we all laugh um, in terms of the, the goal for the channel. Um, it's just to keep on growing, really trying new formats um, inspiring people and continuing to be kind of virtual mates to our audience around the world. Um, also hitting more big brand deals is always, always exciting. Um, and that especially gives us budget to make what was a pipe dream a few years ago, a reality today. So we can, we can do these big car bills. We can go abroad, you know, we can buy various cars. It's yeah, it's, it's mega to think how far we've come. In, in in quite little time really and i just love that the traction that we've been able to gain on youtube and social has meant that we we still get to mess around with sheep crappy cars but just continue <laughs> making relatable content it's it's amazing i must ask is your own car cheap and crappy or do you have a, a new car uh i don't have a new car so um so probably the one series that helped the channel grow most is uh, project mx5 so i've got this 1995 mx5 that i bought for 1100 quid and i think we've done 30 build episodes on that uh, so i've got that in my garage at the moment we've swapped the engine we've done everything to it there's there's probably about 25 grand's worth of, of money and sweat and tears invested wow. in that thing um, but it it's not a new car it's not a supercar that you get on lots of other channels it's it's a it's an enthusiast car again it's it's relatable you know, it's the stuff that we've done to that car, to my car, is something that your mates can go out and do the very next day. Uh, and we talked about milestones earlier, and we, you know, obviously hit three. You've hit three million, and you were talking maybe about five. It, it's uh, what, what could possibly be the goal, and what, what is the yardstick? I mean, what what would you? How big can it get? I I, I don't think there's there's a limit to how big it can get. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be happy if we can hit five million subscribers in the next couple of years. I think that would be it'd be great. It'd be a really great metric to have. But 
three million is already amazing. You know, a million is is incredible. Even having half a million is is great these days because YouTube is so saturated these days that it is so difficult to to really break into that market and to get noticed. So, you know, there there is no end goal for us in terms of a number on YouTube, but I think it would be great one day to be picked up by the the Amazons or the Netflixes of the world to have our own car show with with loads of budget and loads of cachet. It would be amazing. But for now, I'm happy just plugging on, just you know, just just living the dream. It is it, it's it's great. It's it really is a lot of fun. It does sound it. It does sound <laughs> it. Now, if you look at your everybody produces videos, they want millions of views, thousands of views, and you're regularly hitting the million plus mark. If you look at your most vi- popular videos on the channel over the years do they have particular things in common or is it kind of serendipity i mean who knows what's going to work yeah i mean um i did have a quick look earlier on um so so all of our top 10 vids including car guys versus non-car guys or 10 techniques that will make you a better driver uh, or testing tesla's autopilot 17 miles an hour these all have pretty much one thing in common and that's learning something new in an easy to watch digestible entertaining and fast paced video so it's it's a type of video that that you watch it might be 10 20 minutes long but when you come to the end of that those 10 or 20 minutes it feels like two minutes because there are so many little videos in in you know within that that it just jumps from one section to another section it's always really fast paced and entertaining and if you can actually teach your audience something then you know they just absorb that like a sponge so we as humans, you know, we love new information. And if you can do that in an entertaining way, then then they will they'll love that and they'll love you for it. Now, in terms of car throttle as a business, where do you see the opportunities? I suppose we've touched on it already. It's further growth. Mm. Um, so maybe I should ask, you know, what are the challenges you face? You know, I can see where you're heading, but what, what are the obstacles and challenges you face as a business? Um, I mean, on, on a personal level, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Um, cha- the biggest challenge is, is maintaining a good work-life balance, um, especially when it comes to video curation, where you know where late nights and added days put massive pressure on edits um, and sticking to deadlines. So it's it gets to a point, you know, where you, you work with brands, and sometimes you feel like you, 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 you know it's it's difficult to keep your head above water. But you know, I'm surrounded by a really great team of people. We work very very hard. Uh, and we always hit our deadlines, but sometimes it, it can be very challenging, but we always do get through it. So on a personal level, I would say that's the biggest challenge. But Do you take holidays? Uh, yeah, well, I took I took three days off week before last, but that's because I needed to build a fence. Right. Um, so not a holiday at all? <laughs> not a holiday at all. No, I actually came back um, feeling more tired than anything. Um, but, you know, I, I will be taking holiday um, fairly soon but but it's slightly difficult for me because I, I need to be in most of the videos especially if they're sponsored campaigns you know they want me to head those up so we've got a lot of sponsored campaigns at the moment which which doesn't leave me a lot of time to uh to swan off to Cornwall or or or, or wherever it may be but um yeah hopefully later in August I'll be able to take some holiday and um, just switch off for a little while but so Alex what advice would you give to other publishers you know, especially those who potentially have, well, who will have print brands and are, are not pure play digital and are looking to accelerate the digital transformation. Could you, any advice for them? Uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a lot of advice, actually, that we've learned um, over the years. 
in in terms of uh, social platforms, it is it is posting consistently. Um, you need to, you know, feed the audience. You know that they, they are on their phones, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day. So you always need to be kind of top of their feed. Uh, you need to engage with the audience. So that includes, you know, um, commenting back to them, pinning comments, showing that you are reading their comments, engaging. Um, also, try to find your niche and don't do what everyone else is doing because you won't get noticed. Uh, be be personable, show people a face um, or a personality that people can really relate to. Um, I, I would say that there's there's quite a few companies that kind of hide behind the brand and me as as a subscriber or a viewer or a fan of that brand, I want to get to know the person behind it, really. That's how you'll get my trust and that's how you'll win my time effectively. Um, and, and then the last piece of advice I would say, which is really important, is is to engage and collaborate with other brands. And, and that way you both benefit. Um, again, there are too many brands, I think, that just want to do their own thing and go down their own path. But if you don't, look at what other people are doing and if you don't share ideas and if you don't collaborate then i think you're you're only really limiting how far you can you can go we've we've done collaborations with loads of other youtube channels and you kind of grow from that and then other audiences around the world get to know you and it's you know again if if a, a subscriber of a channel in america sees that 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 channel is doing something with us and they'll think oh that's cool if that channel is working with car throttle, maybe car throttle's cool and then they'll spread the word. So yeah, don't be afraid to collaborate because um, sharing is caring, especially online. Uh, and what form would that collaborate, you know, f- for car throttle? What what form typically would collaborations take? Uh, it would be having a YouTuber or someone from a different YouTube channel in our video. Uh, it would be shouting out another YouTube channel if you say, oh, um, engineering explained or auto trader or so did this video we we watched it we really loved it so here's our version um you know we we've we've collaborated with um mike brewer who's the presenter of wheeler dealers rory reed who's auto trader loads of guys in america um you know we we share footage we we always say where the footage is from um yeah collaboration is definitely king and from what you say, being generous with, with those name checks and sharing. 100%. And like. 100%. Yeah. It costs you nothing to, to name check a company or a YouTube channel, and it will get you loads of respect. And what's in the pipeline for Car Throttle? Um, you talked about alignment, uh, greater alignment between your different platforms. Anything else in terms of you know major new developments over the next few years that you can share with us? Um, I would say just continuing to grow the brand, really. Um, continue to have fun entertaining people and um, producing high quality branded content and, and making a difference to, to people's lives really um, even if it means someone you know who's had a bad day if that person gets 20 minutes of pure escapism then then I think that for me is is, is a great metric and a great KPI I get loads of messages from people saying I'm going through some dark dark stuff at the moment watching your video really changed my mood so that for me is something that I strive towards is, is, is trying to help people really. Um, but it, you know, one day it would be, you know, great, like I said earlier to, to get picked up by the Amazons or the Netflixes of the world, but, but who knows? I was, I was watching a couple of the videos earlier and it, it does seem there's an incredible bond between your viewers and yourself and the other presenters. Um, you know, people, you know, being very personal about their own journeys and their stories and, you know, 
and the like, you know, on a very personal level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I mean, I, I've never suffered with, with mental health myself, but, but so many people are. And it's great that so many people are, are being open about it these days. And if we can be a platform to, you know, to, to tell people stories and to, to spread a message of it's okay not to be okay, then I'm all for it. Then that, you know, that is the greatest use that we can be as a YouTube channel is, is just helping people. You know, I've, I've had, I had, I had a guy come up to me a couple of years ago who was going through some really, really dark stuff. And he watched the, um, the, the project MX five series. And he said, watching that actually saved his life. Um, so wow. yeah, it's, it, it's incredible it's it's all very well chasing money and chasing views but at the end of the day you've got to think about that person behind the screen now does it help them if yes then amazing if not how can you help that person you know you just just try to be people's friends and like i said don't be a bad role model because you know people can spiral out of control so i'm i'm always very wary of that um i just i just want you know people to be happy really and if i can do that by having fun then then that's win-win. And finally, Alex, a question we ask all our guests on the podcast, outside of work, not that it sounds like you've got much time outside of work, <laughs> but how do you try and relax? Uh, so, oh God, relax. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that word. Uh, my, my partner and I have recently bought a, um, uh, a renovation house. So uh, it's, it's not relaxing, but what I do outside of my house is, is DIY renovations, building fences. Um, I've got a... I've got an indoor gym as well in the bedroom, um, jumping on the motorbike, doing track days, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't, I don't play video games. I don't really watch a lot of TV. I'm, I'm very happy when I'm outside, you know, fixing things or pulling things apart and or building things. That for me is 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 real relaxation. Just um, just you know, working with my hands. I, I really enjoy. So I'd say it's your form of relaxation is you're you're permanently on the move by the sound of things. So I suppose it's just doing other things outside of work, I guess. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. My my partner's family are also also very much with you on that. I can't uh, I can't actually sit still at the uh, at the lunch table, and they always know that I need to get up about after about twenty minutes and have a little wander around. <laughs> well, enjoy your holiday later in the year if you get it. Um, thank you very much, Alex Kirsten. Thank you very much for being our guest on the In Publishing podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for your time. A final word from our valued podcast sponsor. Air Business is trusted by 4,000 publications and 3 million happy subscribers, with 10 million customer records on file. It processes £500 million each year in 22 currencies and delivers over 300 million items. Find out more at airbusiness.com. Many thanks to Alex for being our guest this time. I particularly liked his emphasis on putting audience needs first and the critical importance of maintaining trust. If you would like to see Alex in action, then visit the Car Throttle channel on YouTube. Alex can also be found on Twitter and Instagram under the name at AutoAlex. To find out more about Car Throttle, go to carthrottle.com. If you would like to get in touch with us, then please email us at editorial at inpublishing.co.uk. Thank you for listening and do join me in two weeks' time for another podcast where my guest will be Helen Fish 
Group Chief Executive at Executive Grapevine. Bye for now.